Well, hello everyone. I'm Wesley. I am one of the congregational care ministers at Brentwood United Methodist Church. And we are so glad that you have joined us today for, a, um, for our Resilience and Hope. Um, and this week we're gonna be talking about um, stress in the holidays. So before we get started, I would like for us to go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Abba Father, we welcome you into this time tonight. This year has been so weird and many of us are tired of the weird. We are ready for some things that feel somewhat normal and familiar. Advent with all of its traditions should feel normal, but this year, like many things, even it isn't the same. The outside might look like the same with the trees and the decorations and the lights, but Father, the inside isn't the same. Homes are gonna be quieter. They're gonna be empty chairs. Father, some families have added stress over what is the right thing to do with, are we meeting together or are we not? Some families are experiencing the added stress of loss of job and financial resources. God, some, some families have lost loved ones and they haven't been able to grieve like normal. Father, there is just so much. And though much has changed, Father, you have not. You are the same today as you were yesterday and even the same as you were before this year began. Father, I ask that you come near to all of us. Help us to feel your strength when we are weak, your presence when we are alone, and your hope when we begin to despair. Be with us during this time, Father. Amen. Well, we welcome you all, and we are excited that you all are here today. Just like with all the ones that we do, um, I have our three counselors that work um, with Brentwood United Methodist Church with us today, and I'm going to introduce them. Uh, we've got John Fike, who is a counseling psychologist who specializes in individual and couples therapy. Uh, he does that with the adults. And then with the adolescents, he has individual therapy and executive and life coaching as well. We have Dr. Jim Wellborn. And he is a clinical psychologist who specializes in individual, family, and group psychotherapy with children and adolescents. And we have Stacy Jagger, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in restoring the connection between children and their parents. Thank you all for coming back this month. We're Thanks glad that we didn't scare you off, love. Good to be here. Yeah, good to be here. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk some about stress and the holidays. Um, and I want to remind people who are either watching or those who are going to be listening um, on um, any, anything else that we have the ability to submit questions. Um, so if you have questions for our counselors, 
uh, go ahead and submit those. They'll be um, on that page where you found this too. And we'll be able to, add, to answer some of those live. So go ahead and be thinking about those and sending them in. Um, so when I was preparing for this conversation on stress in the holidays, I went back and I reviewed last month's uh, conversation on general stress and anxiety. And in that reviewing, a couple of things popped up. We all know what it's like to be stressed. Doesn't matter the way that we present with it, whether we're anxious or we're um, obsessively cleaning or we're tired, we all know what it's like to be stressed. And the holidays are no different. Um, normally, uh, I know that holiday stress is kind of a conversation you all get into about this time of year. And that usually probably has to do with things like how long are we going to spend at the in-laws and how do we have hard conversations and what about money and those kinds of things. Some of that might be the same this year, but my guess is that a lot of it is different too. Um, so something that, that popped out at me over the conversation of last time, John, you mentioned something and it's, I've kind of chewed on it for a while. Um, you said that our day-to-day -day rituals have been disrupted and life as we have known it isn't the same, which I think we all kind of understand. But the part that stuck with me the most was when you said that we are stuck between denial and being frozen in uncertainty, which leads us paralyzed to make decisions. Um, so I was wanting to know if you might be able to kind of flesh that out for us a little bit um, and explain a little bit more of that to us. Sure. As you were saying that, you know, um, I was thinking, you know, there's now a, a third one, which is that we're fatigued. <laughs> Don't forget that one. We're just plum worn out, as we would say here in the South. Uh, I guess uh, this reminded me um, about research, you know, uh, there was a research study years ago they did in a California gourmet market where they set up some samples of jams and uh, they had uh, every few hours they switched it. One, one uh, display had 24, you know, and the other one had six. So when the, and on average, the customers tasted just a couple of jams, regardless of the size, and each one got a coupon good for one dollar off. Well, 60% of the people were drawn toward the large assortment, okay? And only 40% stopped by the small one. But 30% of the people who sampled from the small one, the six, uh, six pack, decided to buy a jam. While only 3% of those who saw the two dozen, you know, display bought it. So sometimes too many choices can kind of paralyze us. And when we feel that, you know, Christmas has been kind of busted wide open, and now, now what are our choices going to be? Well, it's kind of like nothing and the sky's the limit. And that can leave us, you know, to be kind of frozen and, and now, you know, even more, you know, kind of fatigued. We, um, and it's hard uh, in this kind of grim environment where you hear a relentless onslaught of, you know, bad news to kind of summon up that spark of creativity, which is what we need. Which is I, I see you on Jim tonight. <laughs> yes, I do too. He got real creative. Oh, so it is possible. All right. 
That was it. I got it done. And Man, we, we should have started with that. Yeah, we, we all need those, you know, character. There's another research study I'll mention. I'll, I'll let the others speak here, which is about, you know, just what what uh, correlates with well-being in general. And so one of those uh, values that uh, correlates with well-being is zest. And another one is love. And one that's a little surprising from the research is honesty. And I think honesty um, is is serves us really well during this holiday to, to look at what is and what isn't. I, I think if there's one saying I'll remember um, from 2020 is that just, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> that's been something I've heard so many times throughout the year. And that's, that's a starting point. That's where zest and love begin and bring us towards some creative solutions. And I'll shut up and let the others say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you pretty much covered like the substance of it, John. Uh, I, one of the things that, that, um, that I might add, which is um, fairly generally associated with um, satisfa life satisfaction and um, a kind of perspective finding is gratitude. And that's especially relevant during this particular season um, about the things to be grateful for that anyway, but then when you add um, all of the kinds of disruptions that we're going to continue to uh, allude to, the, making sure that you actively and intentionally review and identify the things that are um, things that you are grateful for in your life and that the blessings that you have and um, that, so that kind of of element is another piece that I would I would find myself throwing in there with the list that you have too. And I'll just throw out, you know, I I work primarily with young children and parents, and so they're many times looking for just really um, easy ways to remember things. And I have an acrostic um, that I call simple S I M P L E. Yes, I can spell. Um, and S stands for simplify your expectations and stick with a spending plan. And what I tell parents, and I've told them this for years, but especially this year, that an, an avalanche of gifts really is unnecessary for a young child. That if you can focus a little bit more on experiences like building the gingerbread house together or having an indoor snowball fight, make, um, making cookies together, um, rather than just focusing on the gift giving and, you know, sometimes just making a homemade gift or having a family gift exchange where you're just responsible for giving one person a gift rather than the financial weight of, you know, tons and tons of gift buying, that that really, it's really okay to simplify things. Um, and then the I is incorporate the word no. So no can be spoken kindly and with confidence. It's a complete sentence. And, um, you know, parents many times don't realize that they really can tell their child no. So no to the 15th movie, no to the 15th video game. Saying no is real. it's really okay to set a boundary and say no. So that's I incorporate the word no. Then M is make time for yourself. And so as a mother of four children, I will tell you that 
when I spend time investing in myself in the beginning of the day, my whole day goes better. So sometimes you just need 15 minutes to breathe, to meditate, to read. Um, like I have a little uh, daily reader. It's called The Language of Letting Go. I love it. it. When I read that, it just makes my day go better. So just investing in yourself, making time for yourself is just an excellent way to start your day. And then P is plan for oops moments. So I laugh because I had a family member one year that completely forgot the turkey at Christmas. And so um, we just rolled with it, you know, it's like, oh, oh, well. So, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect holiday. There's no perfect family. Focusing on progress, not perfection is really helpful around the holidays. Like there's, it's just not gonna be perfect. Um, and then L is lift your spirits with family. So family are friends that feel like family. So adopting people that feel like mother, father, brother, sister, you know, if you cannot be with your blood related family, just to have the open heartedness to be able to adopt people as a sort of a family of choice can be really helpful. And then E is express your emotions in healthy ways. And my favorite little formula that I tell parents is I feel I need, would you be willing? So I feel overwhelmed right now. I'm needing some help with the kitchen or with the gift wrapping or with creating the day or what, whatever we're gonna do. Would you be willing to help me with X, Y, and Z? So just giving parents just a real simple formula like that um, sort of kind of gives them a framework of, okay, I can keep this simple. I don't have to go overboard. I can adopt friends as family. Um, I don't have to go, you know, I don't have to go hog wild this year. And, and just to enjoy a quiet, peaceful day is really enough. You actually did that interview on channel four, and we do have that on our website there for somebody to look in case they missed yeah. the essay. There yeah, me. but that's I like that, you know, right now things are just so because we don't have those normal structures in place, going to school, going to church, doing the things that we normally do. John, like you were saying, it's I mean, it's like this world of possibilities, but it's also not a world of possibilities. So there's all of this stuff we can do and nothing that we can do. And so that structure isn't built around. But having something like the simple thing that you can kind of concretely go, okay, I can take this big concept or this big thing we have and I can bring it back down here and do some things with it. That kind of brings a little bit more of that order in. I, I think definitely I, part of what I'm, I'm thinking about um, with regard to the disruption of the kind of of established or routine or um, even tradition, um, depending on where they involved other people and, and how you coordinate and, um, under the, the current circumstances, is that that opening up that happens is that there's, there's a lot of times that, that it's become pretty obvious during this period of time of things that were naturally structured that we didn't have to think through it really is a, a parallel to John talking about that, that um, having so many choices, that one of the things that happens is 
that there's the, you know, people often say, and we will too, that it provides an opportunity. But the problem with opportunity is you have to try and figure out what's going on. And you realize there's all of these things that you never gave thought to and didn't have to because it was just going to happen the way it did. Those things, that's exhausting now to have to actively and intentionally think about the things that, that many of this, y'all, you'd already established as a family. You already did these things. This is just how it went. This would happen first, and then this would happen, and we get together here, and so-and-so's house first, and the other person's house the next, and they'd take care of that. And all of that stuff has been um, um, thrown into the air for, and requiring there to be intentional thought and planning about that. And we don't have a lot of experience with that. Even though we may be planners at our work or anyplace else in our lives, this is a whole new level that we may not and often haven't appreciated. It's going to require, and we didn't plan for that, okay? We didn't set the, okay, my, my ugly sweater is falling apart. We didn't, we didn't anticipate and realize, oh, we've got to make time to do this extra planning. It's not just going to flow like usual. And that's where we get in the middle of stuff right now. Okay, I'm taking my hat off. <laughs> So, it just means that you're going to have to sing for us. So. <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, doing that, the the planning thing as is something that I'm I'm just kind of we're having to plan different things than what we've used yes. than what we normally do, and we're having to adjust. Not only I don't go to this set of family members on Christmas Eve and this set of family members on Christmas day. And I don't, I don't do that. But then there's also the, I'm so tired of nine months worth of, come on kid, let's go do this. Well, also having to plan nine months of having to plan everything that used to be, have a routine that we would just rely on. Yes. So it's just, and this is a massive example of that because it's a major holiday. And so it adds like, the end of all of this is like, you know, maybe if it started out like this at this period of time, and then we kind of have the planning for August, you know, what do you plan in August? Like hardly nothing. And so, but here we are. And that, that, that's, but that's also where um, looking for um, people who've already thought through these kinds of things. And, and one of the things that, that's on the resource page that, that's um, on the website is um, there's particularly a num like um, three or four or five um, popular print articles that have some suggestions about how to kind of do things. And so having a list or having a um, something you can go to to say, okay, what are the different things I could do? And how, which of those do I want to do? As opposed to something that many of us have trouble with, which is being creative. You know, for creative people, it's great because they say, oh, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to create, be creative again. But if you're like boring or you don't have creativity, you're like thinking, okay, I, what am I going to do? So there are places that you can go and try and get that kind of, of stuff. And we've, we've gotten some of those and you can find them all over the place also. There are some real good web uh, resources there on that website and those links that are on the page too. Um, what about, I'm thinking particularly about those families, um, uh, first of all, about communication. So let's, let's start with some communication between family members. Um, if you have, <laughs> I know, let's start with a small topic yeah. of communication uh, yeah. between That'll families. Be easy. <laughs> I mean, that won't take long, it'll be fine. Um, you know, 
you do with, you know, one family member is really pretty cautious about getting out and being with other family members Sure. versus those family members who, oh, come on, everybody's fine. We'll be good. How, how do you all suggest, what are tools that you all have for those kinds of conversations and possible conflict? So what I would say is that, you know, th this mirrors a lot of, you know, what I do in couples therapy uh, and, and kind of a, a principle is that you're not going to have an effective compromise unless people feel heard. You're not going to have an effective compromise unless people feel heard, because otherwise you've often got a power play where we're in persons attempting to dominate. And as we all know, what happens with those power plays is they often fall apart whether consciously or unconsciously, the person who's not on board will kind of undermine it. So a true compromise begins with listening. Unfortunately, in a lot of family situations, it's not that way. And, and unfortunately, in this particular situation, I think this is a little bit less so, but uh, this particular issue has gotten also mired up in family politics, you know, which has been an issue over the last year, being an election year. Just so happens I was at a workshop last night by a group I recommend uh, called Braver Angels. Uh, Braver Angels is a group that tries to facilitate uh, families coming together across political divides. Uh, they have a workshop called Family and Politics. And so uh, a la Stacy, they were going through uh, kind of an acronym that they kind of recommended, you know, for those conversations. Uh, it's called CAP, C-A-P-P. And uh, the C stands to, cl for to clarify. When somebody puts out a proposition, maybe they stroll out in the middle of the room, kind of like a gladiator and says, say, you, you will show up to my place. I don't want to hear another word about it. Well, you know, clarify what that gladiator is saying. So you're saying we're all showing up there <laughs> to, to acknowledge, okay, that that's the A, to acknowledge and say, you know, it makes sense that you feel this way. This has been hurting for certain, you know, for all of us, this, uh, all this time apart, it's just like a physical pain. And then to pivot and say, you know, will you hear me? You know, will you hear, you know, what I want to say on this subject? And of course, sometimes it takes a couple of repetitions of clarifying and acknowledging for the person will, and sometimes they won't, <laughs> in which case you may have to make a graceful exit and just keep your boundaries. But if they will, then gently offer your opinion. You know, here's what I think about this subject. You know, maybe you think I'm not willing to risk, you know, grandma's health, you know, in, in this particular situation. And then uh, finally, you know, uh, to uh, attempt to have either a transition or a graceful exit. Sometimes these conversations less is more instead of, instead of kind of belaboring the point. So I'd love to hear what others have to say about this all too common situation. You know, part of it is holding on to things loosely, you know, letting things be loose and not quite so tight and having the ability to be a little more flexible and I've had a lot of conversations with parents about really attaching to yourself 
being connected with yourself. It's an opportunity to kind of listen to yourself and not be quite so outward focused, but to be a little more willing to sit with yourself and be your own best friend on some level, you know, enjoy your own company. Um, and, and when you do that, I find that it's easier to just let things go a little easier, you know, just to hold on loosely to your expectations and, and things that you're, you know, just gives you a little more flexibility, um, when, when you just can't control things right now, it's, it's a big, it's a big lesson in powerlessness, truly. I, I was, <laughs> um, maybe oddly, you know, avoidance is actually a perfectly appropriate and useful um, coping mechanism. And so the idea that you have to resolve stuff among people, differences of various kinds, because you're getting together or when you're getting together for celebratory things, I I can make the argument that there's a lot of benefit in just not addressing stuff and leaving it lie. Now, if it's important enough, then what I would say is make a special time, schedule an appointment with them to like have the conversation about this. But I just keep thinking about the ways in which it's so easily possible to by half conversations because of the nature of being together and not having a focus on that, that you start a half a conversation, somebody responds in a half part, a kind of half complete way. And then it just magnifies all the ways that there's conflict if there's not real attention given to that. And so my, the, the contribution that I make is try and avoid it and get a, and stay away from that and smile and don't talk about it and, and, and then run for the door, okay, if, if it gets bad enough. And so I, I just got the last one of John's, which is get out if it gets too bad. But the idea is that this is supposed to be a time, ideally, when you celebrate the things that bring you together, not pull you apart. And so that language also can be, hey, listen, let's, let's not talk about the stuff that divides us. That's, that creates, we're not here for that. Again, we can make time for that another time if you want to, when we're sitting around it and, and knowing that's what we're going to do. Let's have us just be together and enjoy that we are together and we love each other and we have these connections and that kind of stuff. So, so I'm going to throw in the avoidance as, as an alternative um, what yet yet another option for what you can do in those kind of situations. There are lots of options here. Right. <laughs> right. Before I get to the next question, I'm going to remind people to submit other questions. Um, we have more coming in, but this is this is good, and it it provides for some really good stuff for us to think about and to talk about. Um, one question that we got um, is that this person has become estranged from um, their siblings this year and they don't have any close relatives to gather with on Christmas. Um, this person's gonna be spending time with a couple of friends and they wanna know if you all have any advice on what to do and how to deal with that sadness. I have a feeling there are lots of people that are in the sadness um, area right now. 
Mm-hmm. Stacy, that seems like the family thing that you've, you've been, you talk about. Yeah, you know, what I love about the body of Christ is that we're all connected. And if you can let go of everybody having to be blood related and start to wrap your head around you know, the body of Christ means you have the freedom to adopt people to stand in for those empty places in your life, where you just don't have anybody there. Um, You know, and I, and I'm happy to share that that's certainly my own story. So but your other question is, how do you deal with the grief, I will just sort of throw out there that I have found that expressive arts type of activities are very helpful for for letting grief out. And when you're able to express it and put it in some sort of externalized format where you can look at it um, and make something beautiful out of it. And I'll just throw out some ideas. Um, I had a client once that took all of her mother's costume jewelry and took Um, hot glue and glued her mother's costume jewelry to a wooden cross and um, and wrote some letters along with it and kind of created this beautiful piece of art while she was simultaneously grieving the loss of her mother Um, you can also and you don't have to be a professional artist to just get some acrylic paint at Hobby Lobby and get a a canvas and just let yourself paint. You can also paint with your non-dominant hand and kind of let the child inside of you paint, you know, without really, you're not focusing on the outcome of the painting. You're focusing more on the experience and just letting it be very imperfect and and being more, it's more like a mindfulness meditation type of experience while you're painting. And it just allows you to experience the grief and let something beautiful come out of it rather than just spiraling out of control and drinking yourself to sleep or, you know, all the different maladaptive strategies that people come up with when they can't cope with the amount of sadness that they're feeling. I'll also throw out there that uh, on Thanksgiving, um, Overeaters Anonymous had a meeting every 90 minutes for the entire day to help overeaters, people with bulimia, anorexia, to be able to connect on a day that can be very triggering to people with food-related issues. So that's also an option for folks that are feeling lonely on Christmas. There's a bajillion 12-step programs that, you know, let's just be honest, we all at this point belong to one or could. Um, So just, you know, pick one if you're feeling lonely and have the willingness to be open-hearted and meet people through the recovery world because they're full of very honest, authentic, gracious, uh, people. And, um, so there, there's that. You know, uh, my friend, my friends in OA call uh, Thanksgiving a high holy day. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. That's great. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's 
I did want to mention uh, <clears throat> another uh, maybe relevant kind of thing that I just came across this year, which I'm not familiar with, but the, the Yule log tradition where you have a special log and you decorate it with a glue gun again and uh, with ribbons. And before you burn the log, uh, you slip under it notes, you know, about what you wish for the next year or what you want to let go of for this year. And you can burn that. You don't have to wait for New Year's to burn that. You can burn it anytime, you know, uh, in the season. So that's another way of kind of letting go. Personally, I'm a big fan, of course, for writing uh, because it's a process of kind of making sense. But I'm also a big fan of the arts because some things when it come to, comes to grief are really hard to put into words. And so some of those other art forms kind of express the relationships and with color a little better. I was thinking, <clears throat> maybe a couple of things about this. One is that the, it wasn't clear to me by the, from the questioner about whether the grief was because there were damaged or um, um, disconnected relationships so that they're, they no longer have the relationship or whether they weren't able to be with them. And the being with them, um, if that's an element of it and not being able to, the relationships are intact, but you're not able to be present um, physically is all of the connections, the electronic connections, but also about um, related to, I think John was talking about notes to maybe put under the Yule log, but about taking some time to just write out about what it was and is that's meaningful to you about um, the relationship with these folks, um, how you've been thinking about them, that you're thinking about them, what you treasure and value in them. And that's actually also useful if you've got an estrangement that they're not willing to reach out to you. We often have, <laughs> have trouble remembering that we can initiate the reaching out. Now it's risky because it feels that much more painful if they don't respond or reject. But by doing that, you get a chance to actually send that, um, those feelings of love and care and, and wishes for this to be a better relationship out there that does relieve a kind of burden. So that was one kind of element of that that I was thinking about. But the other part was I was thinking, you know, the, the traditional standard problem that we deal with every um, Christmas, especially holiday season, which is that there's all of the mythos about what's supposed to happen, about the perfect family and the perfect celebration and, and the wonderful, loving, you know, hallmark or that... Um, um, the best part of waking up is is um Folgers. Folgers that Folgers commercial. Okay. <laughs> and so, but what happened, but, but what I was thinking about with this person who wrote the, who, who had the question is that they had people who they are connected to and who they have clearly have a, a real um, emotional relationship with, these friends that they were spending time with. And sometimes we can get out of the moment and be spending it someplace we're not. And so you can be saying, why am I not here? I'm sorry I'm not there, or I wish I was there, and lose the sense of that these people are here with you, that you are in this place, and that this is what's presently available to you and has the value and the opportunity that it does for the present moment. And so that's another thing is we get, we get pulled out at times, like celebratory times, that it's supposed to be done a certain way, 
and we can be um, caught up in thinking it has to go this way rather than just experiencing what there is that we have in the present moment. So acceptance is the key to what you're saying. Well, yes, but you, of course, were much more succinct about it. And I had to talk about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Stacy. <laughs> mirroring back to you <laughs> what you're saying that's I was trying to summarize it. and so and so what you're saying dr wellborn <laughs> exactly what stacy said yes what would you all say for somebody who's not exactly artistic like i'd i'm not gonna go get crayons because i'll be like oh well yeah we'll go get crayons sorry Hold on, let me think through that. I'm not gonna go get a canvas and do all my painting. Just, you just answered your own question. Oh, I know I'm gonna go get then, crayons. Oh, I'm I saying that this was another question that was submitted. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so some things you can do if you don't feel like you are artistic, if you don't feel like you're creative. I mean, the truth is um, every child is creative. Somewhere along the way, as we become adults, we start to believe that we're not an artist or we're not creative the truth is we all have that need to create something inside of ourselves but if the story you're telling yourself is i'm not creative some things you can try are um, on amazon you can purchase a melody harp it is a very simple harp that has music that anybody can follow because they're just little dots that you it's a harp that you literally pluck the strings and behind the strings are little dots that you just follow and it's a beautiful sound that anyone can create and it comes with you know like i don't know 50 to 75 different songs that you can play in a harp um, another thing you can try is a dulcitar or a strum stick uh which is basically an instrument that is like anybody can play it it's 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 a you know all you have to do is strum it and stick your finger down and it'll sound good that's what i'm trying to say and you just fiddle faddle around with it and you feel like oh my gosh i can play the drumstick. um those are a couple of ideas there's also a a therapeutic drum called the happy drum h-a-p-i and you can purchase these drums in different um dynamic scales different you know different keys and I, the one that i have i think is an e flat if i'm remembering right but anyways you just take mallets and you can play the drum and express what you're feeling it's a great way for me to connect with children that are selectively mute that don't want to say anything to me especially in the beginning of treatment but it's great for adults too to just sit and play a drum and you're not going to play a wrong note um and all of that can be found on just you know google it and you can find it my those office, are a few ideas my office is right next door to stacy's and i get to hear this and I mean that in a positive way. I don't mean I'm saying it's a problem. It's like these beautiful little tones kind of waft out of her office across all that stuff. And so, but one other piece of thing that I, that I wanted to throw in about this is that the very nature of that question um, presents the problem of that person thinking there's an external criteria for this, as opposed to this is a personal thing 
that allows you to just do what comes to you rather than it needs to look a certain way or be a certain way. And so that, and that's really hard because in performative things, we often get caught up in, oh, here are these experts that we hear or see or know about. But with art stuff, I'll tell you, have you ever looked at the variations of modern art and what actually is in art museums, you're not gonna have a problem with just throwing garbage on the table sometimes and be able to do that. So you got a lot of room, even if you're trying to be a professional with that. So performing arts and expressive arts are two completely different things. So if you can turn off the TV and not compare yourself with Lady Gaga, yeah. Um, and just, you know, be with yourself and, and it, <laughs> no, really. Um, I, and just, I just had the image of her coming in on that giant egg at the musical <laughs> years ago and those people carrying us up. Now that would be a family activity, okay? Somebody lifts up the mom by all of her arms and walks through the living room while Lady Gaga is playing on the... <laughs> well, no, really. I mean, even mothers are forgetting to sing to their babies because yeah. they're comparing yeah. themselves yeah. to Lady Gaga and all the people, you know, and if you can just turn it all off and focus on your own journey, we all need to express ourselves. And, you know, Dr. Fight, I see you with your guitar when you used to be at the office and I don't know what you're doing well born with the drill that I hear. What is that I'm completely thing? hopeless when it comes to any kind of artistic talent. I'm like, he's drilling something over there. Anyway. <laughs> he's like building a house. I don't know. No telling what. So. Oh, uh, Wesley, you know, what I would say is that it also needs to be something, try lots of different things and find stuff that draws you. Um, I am always been drawn to words. And so I, I started uh, writing haikus, which are about the simplest kind of poetry you could you could muster, <laughs> three lines, you know. And uh, then I discovered that on, on my morning walks, I could take pictures of nature and then print haikus onto those pictures. And then I just and I, of course I discovered I could share that on social media, and I belonged, uh, you know, joined a group where I could you know, finish other people's haikus or respond to them in a linking way. So you can find stuff that creates synergy where it also connects you to other people. And that thing of what is meaningful and then at the same time connecting you to other people, whether it's music or words or whatever, is a really powerful formula for getting through almost anything. And, and the, when, because I, of course, uh, as we were talking about my, my practice is based with adolescents primarily, the idea of being able to convert this into a family activity also helps with that so that everybody's co-constructing their own art or their own um, production, their, whatever kind of artistic um, effort or exercise you're going through, and then come back together and just be able to share that in a non-judgmental way about being able to just see what everybody's doing because it not only has the effect of you producing it, but it also is a joining and a bonding experience also by jointly doing stuff together and spending time that doesn't require you to sit around and figure out how to come up with a conversation about how to talk about stuff, which well, is fine if you can, but all family gatherings and all times to spend time together is not well served by always talking about something. There's the doing part um, that can be done within the house and among family members. And we've got things like that, uh, uh, examples of that, like cooking together and 
um, having movies that you pick out that you then have meanings to the, the reasons that you're watching those movies and, and going for walks and stargazing. There's, there's a really big convergence that's coming up this month um, with I think Saturn and Jupiter and, and that, that's, there's things that you can do and we've got lists of those and you can find lists of those, but in that same um, spirit. I'm seeing lots of questions about this grief. Um, one of them is talking about, do you think it's okay to not do long-standing traditions that make me kind of sad now? How do I help the rest of my family understand that I just can't do some of those things anymore? Yeah. Or is that avoidant and unhealthy was the questions, were the questions. Well, you know what my answer is going to be. Avoidance is okay. Avoid. <laughs> but there's more to it than that. I, I don't want to stop there, but so. I guess you could just say, how about them Titans or something? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess the, uh, you know, the, this whole thing about traditions is tricky in a, in a normal year. You know, it, kind of the general rule of thumb is that you don't, you want to only try to change the tradition just a little bit, say, let's experiment with this one this year. And of course, every family usually has a Christmas coordinator, you know, somebody who behind the scenes is the power you know, on Christmas, who feels strongly about it. So you, you got to find out who the Christmas coordinator is, who your negotiating partner is. And, and of course, like a, with all situations, you have to let a person know not only how you feel, but how strongly you feel about something. You know? And so you can listen first, find the common ground, <clears throat> and see what possibilities arise. <clears throat> Uh, you know, I, the uh, for all that for all <laughs> encouragement and support for avoidance, um, what what has also struck me about at least how I was hearing that question is that the it reminds me about how very badly and poorly in our country we do grief and respect what needs to be done and have a process for doing that. And so part of what I was hearing is that the problem with those rituals in part is that they um, evoked the grieving process. And as therapists, we, we're all gonna say, that's an important thing to move into, not to jump into and not to throw yourself into necessarily, but to move into and to move through. And, and so, but it, all, it all means respecting what your limits are about that. But the idea is that um, it is also perfectly legitimate and appropriate and helpful to move into a tradition that evokes grief because of the potential absence of somebody who's there, um, as long as it's not associated with trauma. I'm going to put that to the side, but I'm thinking about loss and the absence of people who are a central part of the rituals and that kind of, of situation, that moving into that and also embracing the grief as a part of that, which is a, uh, the kind of mirror aspect of the love and significance and importance of the person that generates that feeling in you. Now, you may also have to back off. That's where the avoidance is. You may have to say, okay, I've come in this far, but while y'all continue with this, I'm going into the bathroom now. And so I'm gonna be like sobbing in the bathroom or I'm gonna be like taking a walk outside so there's a regulatory thing about respecting what your um, comfort level is, 
but not to the extent of stepping back away from it um, altogether is, is what I was thinking about. And I'll just say, I'll just throw out there, you know, there are people that choose to not celebrate Christmas, you know, yeah. they just choose to not do it. Um, I have a Jehovah's Witness client that, you know, they don't, that they don't do Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, and I will even share from my own story, you know, my husband and I about 20 years ago, we were in a place where we needed to break some traditions, the things that we didn't want to participate in. And we went up to Abbey of Gethsemane to a monastery and bailed on Christmas a couple of years. We just, we just wanted to, we just wanted to do something different and just to give yourself the freedom and the respect to follow your own, you know, your own internal guidance of what feels right to you. You know, there's just, there's really nothing wrong with that. Because at the end of the day, you spend 24 hours, seven yes. days a week with yourself. And so um, you know, to thine own self be true. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I would add is that, you know, of course, all of our emotions are messages to us that they're there for a reason. And one of the messages of grief is about connection, that, that we crave connection. And so that can start us on a search for where can we find that connection now? Um, the, the only thing I would add about grief is that, you know, guilt can really muck up the works with grief. You know, it interferes so much. And so often the people who are the most conscientious are the ones who have the most difficulty uh, with grief. And, and it's important to kind of um, try to get some perspective to be right-sized and uh, to look at that guilt and see where maybe it's, um, it, it's not appropriate to the situation. And Will, I, that makes me think I, I'm gonna have us uh, we'll get back and put some stuff on that resource. There's, we didn't address that particular category of things during this time, but since it's come up, all of us have some resources that we'll put on that list so that you can see about how to think about um, grief and how to think about loss and, and, some, and especially about how to kind of find that balance um, for those kinds of things. We'll, we'll see if we can't get some of those things on the, and add that to the, to the um, resource. Wonderful. There was one um, talking about not being artistic and about dealing with grief and those kinds of things. There was a, a time in the middle of my yuck that I went and sat in my office with a blank um, flip chart and all of my colorful markers. And I'm not a words person, but I put every single thing that came to my mind up on this piece of paper. And it took me about an hour and a half sat there by myself, just anything that came to my mind, I wrote it down. Um, and then I stepped back and I looked at it and it was like, well, no wonder I feel like I feel. And it was just, it, it put it on paper and it made it tangible. It took it out of here, put it here so that I could go, well, that makes sense. And I do that with my kids too. But as a way, as you, as one of y'all were talking, I don't remember which one, talking about you go through your pain. You, if you go around it, it's, it's still there. But starting at one spot and going through it is the only way to get, I mean, that's the only way to get to the other side of it. You know, so making sure, obviously, that you pick those times. Um, you're not going to do that in the middle of Sunday dinner. Right. I hope not. Well, my aunt did once. It, it was a mess, but... <laughs> It's not a good idea. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> okay. 
That's a whole other story, though. I'll do a different one on that. <laughs> All right, let's see. I think we've got time for one more question. Um, golly, I hate. Okay, so do you all think that social media increases our stress during the holidays? No, of course not. It's oh. glorious. It's wonderful. What what more could you ask for in a part of this question? Next question is oh no, 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 it's part B. And this one is I and the person answered. I think the answer is yes, but I'm not really sure how. So there's your real question is how. Oh Lord. Watch the social dilemma and call yeah. us back. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, the the movie The Social Dilemma has been Watch very opening, eye opening to a lot of my families that I've worked with. Yes, Watch um, it with your this is a huge conversation that would take like a, an hour and a half to to sort through. So the short version is the short version is that it is presenting each of us who are exposed to that with comparisons the kinds of things that we compare ourselves to that are unrealistic and inaccurate and untrue and distorted and crafted and not genuine and all of the things that are the worst kind of social interaction, the qualities of the worst kind of social interaction that you can have with a person are presented through social media. And so it's a really complicated thing about trying to deal with that, especially when you've got kids uh, because of that, but the the social dilemma is a great movie um, for encapsulating all of that, and and you can use it as a discussion point uh, with older kids. Oh yeah, I've used it with all three of mine. Yeah, that's been fun. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll do an entire one on that later on. Um, that'd be kind of interesting. All right, well we've got like six minutes left. All right, any other things before I close us out with um, something that I got over here? One second. What other I, things y'all have? I've been thinking about the teenager side of things and the effect of teenagers and their the isolation piece for them uh, because of the nature of the ways in which they have limited or constrained interactions. Even when they're hanging out with their friends, they're not hanging out in the same way because some families are comfortable with that and other families are not. And so that leads to this challenge um, during the Christmas holiday of the idea of doing things together as a family and the, the, and, and the lack of practice that you have. And so what happens is that as parents, you often don't have to form and create and think about these things because the kids have found ways to occupy themselves. They've found people to hang out with. They've found ways that they interact and the typical things that they do. And so another kind of challenge here is about finding ways to formally identify days and times that y'all do things as a family. And there's the whole range of different things that you can do with the idea being that you rope the kids in anyway, even if they say, oh, this is stupid or whatever. As long as it's not really stupid, like everybody sitting around watching Dancing with the Stars. Not that I have any problem with Dancing with the Stars, but teenagers are not going to find that a compelling kind of thing. And you were there with the bills. <laughs> but there's a lot of different things that you can do. And just making that time for that and doing it. Board games, card games, the art kinds of projects, any of that kind of stuff. And just cooking, just doing that 
and then going on, it, it will help fulfill some of that with teenagers, which they don't know that they really need. And they aren't really aware that they can get that from their parents. The change that happens in relationships between teenagers and their parents is not that their relationships and the importance of their parental relationships to teens, it's not that that gets less, it's that peers become also very important. But as parents, it feels like it's become less. And so I wanna have you know that because that means when you engage them in doing, when you bring them in to do stuff together, it actually is meaningful to them. They just may not be used to it. And frankly, you may not either. So that notion of being able to get some stuff that will give productive activities, enjoyable family-based activities, I think is really important. Um, Stacy, can you say that in three or less words? Well, I was just gonna you say- You say you can do it. <laughs> easy does it is, is a phrase that I really like. If you can think about just easy does it, you know, um, surrender your expectations try to not take life way too seriously because things are just a little crazy town right now. And then the other thing I like is just to think about being like water. If you can think about water going down a stream, water always finds a way. You know, it goes over and it goes under and it goes around the rocks. And so you can just kind of think about being like water. It, it always finds a way if you can just kind of let go and surrender and roll with it, so. I guess uh, one thing I would mention, I forgot to mention a resource that I just really discovered last night. Uh, my son introduced it to me, who incidentally works for a social media company. <laughs> so, good, he's got a good job then. <laughs> but uh, it's called uh, Icebreaker Video. And uh, what it does is it, you know, puts us in rooms like we're in right now, but takes us through a series of games, which are designed to kind of like open you up. Uh, with questions, because a lot of what's missing for us is a sense of closeness. And even though we're a bunch of electrons at the moment streaming through the universe, you can tell we know each other and we like each other. And that's that sense of being known that that's so important and uh, something that is missing. Uh, a lot of the couples that I work with now are really kind of, their relationships have become impoverished because there's so few positives and so more, so many burdens and duties that they have, you know, in the pandemic. So whatever we can find, you know, icebreaker videos are, are small moments to just enrich those positives. We all need that to get through. Yes, definitely. All right, well, thank y'all. Thank you, Stacy and Jim and John. I appreciate y'all being here. Um, real quick before we sign off for this time, um, I want to remind people who are tuning in that uh, next uh, Wednesday, that's December the 16th at 6.30, we are actually going to be doing what we call a longest night. Um, and it is going to be live streamed. I'm going to put up a graphic here in just a second. Um, but it is that time for spiritual healing and dealing with grief and hope um, in the midst of all the brokenness and, and just to kind of get together and be able to experience that hope in the middle of some grief. So it will also be, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to put up the screen here in just a minute. If I can share my screen, we know I have technical issues here. 
All right, let's see if I can do this here. But I want to thank y'all and hopefully everybody will be back next time.